0: Happy New Year. It is great to be with you this morning. I'm Pastor Randy Lovelace. I wanna welcome all of you who are here with us this morning and to welcome those who are joining us on the live stream, those who are also over in B110111. And so I, um, if, as you're getting to know me, I wanna let you know that I do this sometimes. I have a pastoral moment, so I need one of those moments if you'll give that to me. I promise, team, I will finish on time. But uh, a lot is on my mind and and on my heart particularly, and I want to say on behalf of my family, I want to say thank you. This week was a week that normally would have been spent uh, relaxing between Christmas and New Year's, but God enabled us to finally move into our home, and so we are grateful for that. And I also want to say thank you for your prayers in that, Um, and it has meant trying to learn how to nest, unbox, and prepare to preach all in one week. And uh, I'm grateful for the ways in which you as a church have not only supported us in prayer, but also the many meals and words of encouragement that have come our way, that has helped our transition into our new home uh, really, really much easier. And so we are humbled by that. And the offer of support and help, physical help has been wonderful and needed. And we're grateful to the Lord for you. Uh, and I'm just uh, overwhelmed and humbled by God's generosity uh, to us. It's also one of those weeks where you get to be reminded of just how weak you are physically. So while at the same time, I'm trying to lead the charge in supporting my wife, who's really the leading element of getting our home prepared, uh, I have once a year, I get a, some sort of nasal thing that goes straight to my voice box. So I'm thankful that I have a voice this morning Uh, And if you see me wearing a mask, that's what's going on. I'm vaxxed, relaxed, and boosted, but I'm wearing a mask because I need to be careful. Uh, And uh, with Ken away and Gage helping and assisting, it is an opportunity to recognize that I feel at times in a precarious position. But I also know that I'm not the only one. I know many of you feel in a precarious position. And we want to continue to offer to you Uh, three ways that you can connect with us in worship. You can do so here in this room, which is a mask-friendly environment. We have a mask-only environment in B110, 111, and of course, continue to join us on live stream. I'm grateful that God has given us the resources and the ability to do this. But to also be reminded that while we seek to be wise and we seek to love one another and care for one another, I long for this to be over. I'm grateful for Mark Donaldson, one of our elders here at Christ Community who is leading a prayer effort tomorrow. It's something that the Lord laid on his heart. He's gonna do a day of fasting and prayer specifically that the Lord would give us the gift of ending this pandemic. And while we're called to walk in faith and not in fear, we're still susceptible. And so we pray That, Lord, if nothing else, that we would learn in this that we are dependent on you. And so we want to join with Mark Donaldson in that prayer, and I encourage you to do so as the Lord leads and as we continue to pray, and I want to pray as we open God's word this morning, as we long for life, we long for final healing, and we long for the end of suffering. But until the Lord returns, we remain dependent, walking in faith and trusting in Him. So as we turn to His Word this morning, I ask that you join me in prayer as we go together to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the ability to gather together, whether we're doing so digitally, whether we're doing so in another room, or we're together. Father, we thank you that you said, Lord Jesus, There will come a day when we will worship you in spirit and in truth, not on this mountain, not in this sanctuary or in this particular place, but in spirit and truth. And so however we are gathered this morning as your body, we thank you that you are present with your people. And not only Christ's community, but the many churches in our community, in our region and around the world. Father, we ask for you to pour out your spirit of renewal on your church that we would be a people who would not walk in fear, but in faith and in wisdom. And Lord, we ask that you would show us the wisdom of your word this morning, that Jesus has come as life to meet the longing that we all have most deeply within us. We long for life and life abundance. Help us to see it in Jesus today, and help us to experience your presence, and may you feed your people. Help the teacher, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Last week, we looked at this text from the perspective of longing for light, and this week, we look at the same two verses and look at it through another lens, longing for life. Hear now God's word, John 1, 4-5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this final sermon on the series, the stories we tell, which we began in Advent, we now finish on this sermon. Eighth day of Christmas. Yes, we're still in Christmas time, y'all. You can keep those lights up. Don't feel guilty. You've taken them down. That's okay, too. Just letting you know, we're still celebrating Christmas until January the 6th, Epiphany. So we're in it to win it. So let's do this. Let me remember to remove my pen. But this longing for life, well, what is life? Life is, we want to know that we have a life that has meaning and purpose, where we experience connection with other people. We get to experience the use of our gifts and skills in a meaningful way that enables us to realize, hey, I have a place in the world. And that place is seen by our, the use of our gifts, our skills, but also in our relationships. But increasingly, over and over again, we express that we long for something that we're not experiencing. We tell it through various different stories. That when life is not as it should be, we long for something to be redeemed, something to be renewed. Because even though we, ex- we, we long to have life that is connected to other people, to use our gifts in ways that are meaningful, to have a sense of purpose and place Many times, we don't feel that way, and we long for it. We know that something's wrong. And this is seen in so many of our movies that are dystopian in theme. Things are going incredibly awry. What will save us? And if there's any film, which I've been asked about this Christmas, am I going to talk about, you know it, Die Hard, Yes, that's the film. Most have wondered what I was going to refer to. Die Hard is just another example of how we as human beings know intrinsically something is profoundly broken. And we long for redemption, for someone to come in to save the day. Whether it's James Bond, Die Hard, that happens on Christmas Eve, we can't help but tell the story. And it's not just our culture. It's cultures around the world. But before we think about that a little bit more deeply, let's think about this idea of life and what the Bible has to say with regard to life. And in this passage, John is wanting to point out to us that Jesus is not only light, he is life. But what is he saying with regard to Jesus is life? Well, three quick things. He's telling us life is from Christ. He's telling us life is in Christ. But then he's telling us something about life with Christ. So from, in, and with. Ready? Let's look at it together. From now it's not in the the scripture reading in those verses 4 and 5 but I want you to hear just the first 3 verses of John and I want you to sense what he's doing in his gospel. John is the most theologically reflective of all the gospel writers. He's telling the same story but he's telling it in a way that is far more if you will meta. <laughs> he's looking at it as a larger narrative though looking at the specific events that the other gospel writers do but he's not necessarily trying to do it in a way of retelling the history chronologically. He's retelling the history by helping us to see different metaphors and illustrations and a different way of looking at the life of Christ. But this is how his gospel opens. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse three, all things were made through him And without him was not anything made that was made. And then he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men." So what John is doing is he's taking the telling of the coming of Christ as a way of retelling the story of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he formed man out of the dust Dust we come from, dust we will always be. But we are animated dust. God has created these things. And what John is telling us in the revelation of Jesus Christ, that it is Jesus through whom God has created all things, God the Father. God the Father speaks Christ as the evidence and the revelation of who God is, is the one who brings all things into existence. And later we understand that the Spirit is the one who empowers, who vivifies, who beautifies that which is created. Now this isn't just John's thinking, it is also the thinking of Paul. When Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, when he writes these words. And in these words he says to the church at Colossae, he says to them, "Um, let me find the right one. Here we are. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. That is, in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This isn't just the thought of John. It is the thought of the entire New Testament, that Jesus is the author of life itself. And so what John wants us to see in his reworking, if you will, of Genesis through the lens of the revelation of Jesus is that God in all of his glory and all of his power and all of his life-giving nature has brought all things into existence, life itself through his son, Jesus. And as Paul picks up on that same theme, we see that at least from the New Testament perspective, life is, is from Christ. But more than that, when he says that he is, he, in him was life and the life was the light of men, he's telling us something about more than just the fact that he was the creator, if you will, the watchmaker, and somehow sort of backs away. But he's saying that life was the light of men. As we looked at last week, he's come into the darkness. What is he saying about this life that Christ has brought about. What he's telling us is there's something to be said about life in Christ. And that life in Christ is that life as we experience it, as human beings, is profoundly broken. And his life needed to come and to redeem our life. Die hard. Whether you've seen the film or not, I don't need to go through the whole crazy summary of this film. One guy saves the most important person in his life who was estranged from him in a relationship, his wife. Redeems her, saves her in the end and beats all the enemies. Done. There you have it. You can plug that into how many different films perhaps we've seen even at Christmas. But consider, and you can read this, consider these words, just a quick summary of just the end of the film. A weary and battered McLean, Bruce Willis, a weary and battered McLean finds Holly, his wife, with Gruber, who's, of course, a German terrorist, of course, and his remaining henchmen, McLean surrenders to Gruber and is about to be shot, but grabs his concealed service pistol taped to his back uh Aha! and uses his last two bullets to wound Gruber and kill his accomplice. Gruber crashes through a window, but grabs onto Holly's wristwatch and makes a last ditch effort to kill the pair before McLean unclasps the watch and Gruber falls to his death. Outside, Carl, an accomplice of Gruber, Ambushes McLean and Holly, but is killed by another. Holly punches Thornburg, an interviewer when he attempts to interview McLean before a limo driver crashes through the garage door, whisting away McLean and Holly to live happily ever after. There we go. Woo! And there's just a whole lot of explosions and fake blood and all that kind of fun stuff. But even though we we know at the beginning how this movie is going to end, and even though we know how many of these movies kind of end, we still watch them. We still take it in. And the whole point behind the stories we tell is I want you to see, and I want to remind you and call all of us to exegete, to interpret the culture, what stories are being told to us What songs are being sung to us and how we participate in those stories and those songs and those novels and those books and those films and in art. Because all of it is telling a story. And I would suggest that these films, though have nothing to do with the gospel, can't help but tell the story that we most long for at the heart of who we are. We know that we are profoundly alienated from one another and from our heavenly father, the creator God, and from his son, Jesus Christ. We feel this alienation and we long for it to be removed. And we're busy about our religion of our own making. We have longing, we have desires, and we want to heal the brokenness. And the world is, as C.S. Lewis wrote in the discarded image, the revelry of insatiable love. We long for life and for love. And though Gruber is defeated and McLean is victorious, there is something there. He surrenders himself to rescue and to save his estranged wife. The scriptures understand that human beings in our sin are estranged from God. And though God does not pull a service pistol taped to his back to defeat the enemies of death and sin, the Bible tells us something that is far more profound and that is Jesus Christ in the midst of our estrangement from him pursued us and pursues us and takes death on willingly to redeem us and to renew us and to reconcile us to himself. This is what John means when he says in him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. But again in Paul, we hear these words when he writes to his uh, colleague Titus. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that by being justified by his grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are pursued. We are redeemed even in the midst of our estrangement. We are brought close. We are reconciled. We are forgiven and washed clean. And then we are made Heirs, co-heirs with Christ of all the promises, of all the goodness, of all the mercy, of all the love of God the Father. All of it. Because Christ surrendered himself and was raised to life on the third day so that in him we might have life. This is what Jesus says of himself in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who come before me and who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture." The thief comes in only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What an amazing and beautiful story that Christ isn't just the creator of life. He is the redeemer of this life and he invites us into it to live in him to have purpose and meaning but that begins with the foundation of a loving God in Christ that we find our lives we find ourselves named invited and known though once estranged, brought near. So this is what John is saying, that life is from Christ, life is in Christ. And yes, to borrow the pun of the film, Christ died hard for us that we might have life. But there is also life with him, You see, it isn't just for us that we get to be forgiven and redeemed and reconciled, and it's just me, myself, and Jesus. We're invited into this life. We're invited into this life of salvation with Christ, the Father, and the Spirit, the Trinity, one God, yet three persons. We find at the heart of our faith, the Trinity is a community, a community of three persons, yet one God. We're invited into relationship with him, so that we then are also called into relationship with one another in the body of Christ. This is what is for us when, as one writer says, we inhale God in Christ and his spirit exhales. He gives life away. So, therefore, in a few moments at the conclusion of our service, we're going to be singing a song that has these words, and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. (laughs) And lead me in your love to those around me. You see, we're called into relationship with the Godhead, but then we are sent out to build community in Jesus Christ with God one another. And yet we know something is still profoundly broken. Though Christ has come in redemption, we yet have not experienced the full conclusion of God's redeeming power until Christ comes again. And until we do, we're still going to linger in feeling and experiencing the brokenness and the estrangement from one another, and at times even feeling that with God. But we are called, nonetheless, as Jesus prays for the church, to love one another, to build communities of connection, not merely communities of participation. Many of you may participate each Sunday by joining us on the live stream or being here. You may even participate in ministries here. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you feel that you belong. Because participation does not equal belonging. The nonprofit group Springtide Research, over the last several years, much like Barna, has conducted several surveys and deep and long research among young people that extrapolates to the broader culture. And what we what we still put up with is that even though we may gather here each week and we call ourselves this local church, Christ Community, we may may not feel as though we're a part of community. Many people feel extremely alone and perhaps no more time than this time of year. So let me ask you this question, followed by another. How many of you feel completely alone? How many of you feel that no one actually understands you? How many of you feel left out and on the outside looking in? These are just some of the questions that Springtide has offered to many around the country. You can read about their research. All you have to Google search is Springtide research. But this is one of the things that they have found and this definition is offered by them. A sense of belonging is human is a human need just like the need for food and shelter. Feeling that you belong is the most important in seeing the value in life and in coping with intensely painful emotions. We need community. We need connection. We need relationship with other people to process what we feel on a daily basis. To even check ourselves, whether we can trust how we feel. And when we don't have that, we feel profoundly alone and disconnected. We are technologically more advanced than any society before us. We've just spent over a good portion of the last year and a half digitally connecting with one another. But even in all of it, even though our ability to connect digitally has still left us with a longing to connect physically in relationship with other people, to see one another, to sing and to hear each other's voices in the same room, to have someone hold your hand or to put their hand on your shoulder and to pray for you, someone to simply sit in front of you and say, I understand, I hear you. These were questions that were asked of many students and young people around the country, and here's what they found. Of those who were questioned between the ages of 13 and 25, they were asked to agree with the following statements. 62% agreed with the statement, I feel completely alone. 70% agreed with the statement, I feel as if no one understands me. 59% agreed with the statement that I feel left out. And 73% said that they agree with the statement, I feel stressed and overwhelmed. Though we have multiplied our tools of connection, why then do we live in an age where we feel such incredible existential loneliness and estrangement? And we must be careful as the church to not simply assume that because someone shows up that they feel as though they belong. Because consider with me for just a moment what Jesus Christ and his offering of his life to us is saying and offering to us. I'm gonna use the words of springtime. I am noticed in Jesus Christ. We aren't just noticed. We are pursued. I am named Jesus Christ, who has created all things, knows every hair on your head and provides for you in ways that words cannot communicate. He knows you by name. And I am known. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even there you are with me. So if the gospel says, that we are pursued, that we are named, and that we are known. That when Jesus prays for the church, that means we get the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ in one another's life. Our ministries, when they're at their best, seek by God's grace and God's power to make sure that all those who come have a place where they are named, and known and are welcomed. We cannot rid the world of the incredible large challenge of loneliness either in young people or if you're my age or if you're older. Many of our older people feel completely left out of the equation. Forgotten, not seen. Try to be someone who's 78 years old to go to a general practitioner these days, and you found out very quickly, they're not going to invest as much time in you as they will if it's someone who's 48 or who's 18. So many of our seniors feel exactly like our 13 to 25-year-olds likely feel. While we cannot rid the world of this on our own, we are called as we've been given life from Christ, that by his grace been given life in Christ, we now have a life with Christ that we have the opportunity and the blessing to share with other people. Now, you can't share it with everybody, but maybe today, maybe today as I say these words, you have one person, just one person in your life, in your neighborhood, in your phone, somebody whom you just might think How are they doing? Today might be that day to find out. And let us not assume that because the chairs might be full or the ministries might be well-stocked, that people are known and loved and welcomed and named. Because Christ came to give us life and life abundantly. He didn't come to just cause to participate, but to be known and named. And as you've been known and named and given life in Christ, if that is your confession and profession, may God give you grace today, words of encouragement, words of love, prayers, particular scriptures that you can share with one other person. And maybe it's just a simple question How are you doing? And then just let it land. This is what we're called to do and to be. As a people who've been filled with life, who've been invited into life, now get to live with life in Christ with one another. As we begin this year, May this be a year where we redefine what it means to belong at Christ's community. It's not by checking a box or merely becoming a member or showing up. Lord, how can I give the love of Christ and his presence away to someone else by name, just one? And let the Lord use you as an instrument in his hands to bring forth life because we long for it and he has given it abundantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this first Sunday morning of 2022. We ask you, Heavenly Father, that we would be able to be renewed in experiencing and rejoicing in that Christ is the creator of life, who invites us into a redeemed life in him. Though estranged, he has pursued us. He knows us and he knows our name and has made us who were once far off and brought us close that we might have life and to give that life away. Father, forgive us when we fail to see one another. Forgive us when we don't really take the time to ask, how are you doing? But this is that day where we can be renewed in the call of Christ, in his name and grace and mercy, to love one another, to name and know, and to give this love away. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Friends, as we approach this table, we are reminded yet again that this table that's set before you is a table that shows forth God's pursuit of your heart. It's a table that allows us to put into practice, in even very small but mighty ways, now of being named as beloved by God. Of knowing one another as we look and gather around these tables and being reminded yet again that we are indeed children of the King. If you're a guest with us, I'm going to take us through a few instructions on how we do communion here at Christ Community so that you feel comfortable and are just aware of the protocol, um, procedure, how we do things uh, ushers, hosts, you're welcome to go ahead and take your spots at the tables as we walk through these instructions. So first, there's going to be uh, uh, an usher who will walk through. He's going to dismiss you either forward to a table or backward. At that table, you'll gather with 10 to 15 others. You'll take your elements and you'll hold on to them until a table host uh, offers a word of blessing over you, and then you'll partake together. Now, again, maybe you're here with us and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian yet, and we just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, If you're investigating the claims of Christ, uh, if you uh, would like, you're welcome to gather around the table um, with us. And if this is not your faith, then you can just clasp your hands and not partake in the elements. But you get a chance to witness the people of God actually gathering and worshiping with they're God. So we'd invite you to come and gather around and join us. And once you've taken your elements, maybe you're wondering, what do I do after that time? Um, it's a time actually to contemplate Christ and to pray for others and to pray for our world. And so there will be prayers up on the screens behind and in front of you um, that can actually guide you during this time. As we prepare our hearts now to take communion, I'd invite you to recite the Apostles' Creed with us now. It's up on the screen. Um, And something that's beautiful about this is, this is a confession that we confess often here at Christ Community. This is something that's been written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, declared by Christians throughout the ages. And it's been something that is a declaration of what we believe. And so as you confess this together, it joins you with Christians throughout the, the ages um, as this being their resolute hope. So as you do so today, be reminded even of that now. So Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace
0: of Christ be with you. Yes, dear friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hands. There you go. <laughs> yes, yes, I thank you. Christ our Passover has been sanctified. <laughs> the gifts of God for the people of God. Amen. And on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread at a table of people who would abandon him and even one who would turn against him. Life was in him and that life was the light of men. And he looked to his disciples, as I say to you in his name, he took bread, he broke it and giving it to them, he said, this is my body, which is given for you, take and eat. And then in the same manner, after the supper, he took the cup, pouring it and offering it to them. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Therefore, as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim his death for our salvation. Amen. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts. Heavenly Father, we now ask that you would feed us and equip your church, that you would give her grace and strength, and may you give her your presence as we celebrate the gift of life in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.